Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Hey, everybody. What is, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that there is a revival going on at Asbury University in the big city of Wilmore, Kentucky. And actually, as we are recording today, they are on day 12. So what my question for you is, what is the big criticism and division and Christian controversy over the Asbury University College Revival? So if this is your first time, I want to welcome you. I'd like to invite you, if you're on our YouTube channel, to go ahead and subscribe and make sure that you comment below. I'd like to see what you think about what we're going to talk about today. And also, I want to encourage you, if you're listening on one of our stations or radio stations, to Search us out on lovehimlovethem.org, okay? That's where you'll learn exactly what we do and how we help widows and orphans and how basically our ministry of Love Him, Love Them provides you opportunities to love him and love them. Okay, as you may have heard, you have to have known about this by now uh, because it's all over the news, it's in reports. There was a spontaneous religious revival that broke out on February the 8th, 2023 at an ordinary, they keep saying this, unremarkable (laughs) schedule chapel service. I just want to say, if you are the guy that was the speaker that day, I I get the opportunity to speak so many times too. I can't imagine how you feel about this continuous uh, uh, reporting on your unremarkable speech that day. So apparently the Holy Spirit thought it was pretty remarkable because he showed up and stayed after that. But they continue to say it was a very unremarkable, and I think they just want you to know there wasn't anything special about that speaker, but that's what happened at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. And so they, and now here we are on day 12, but they are now shutting it down. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're saying that the final service is going to be, actually it was last night, uh, February the 19th at 7.30, and they're going to continue to have afternoon services uh, through this Tuesday and Wednesday. So they're, they're saying after Wednesday, they're going to not have any more services on location. But I just want to tell, what is revival? What is this big deal? Why in the world are people coming from all over the place? W- what is going on? You know, revival isn't hype. But it is ordinary people that are really hungry. Ordin- Boy, I can, I'll think of my daughter, Merlanda. She's 12 years old. And when she's hungry, she, goes, she, is, she wants to rake it in. And that's what's happening right now is Gen Zers all the way up to, I have a really good friend. Matter of fact, this is a pretty cool part of our story. Donald Lyons, who I think is 82. He's going to be mad at me if he's not that old, but I think he's 82 years old. Uh, he is what started helped start our ministry in Haiti. He's the founder of the Haiti Under God Orphanage, the founder of our a guest house, my father's guest house. He went. Uh, he lives in uh, Walterboro, South Carolina, and I found out from his wife yesterday that he went up for two days. So it's kids all the way up to seniors that are going, what is drawing them that? They're ordinary people that are crying out for a move of God. You know, I've watched a lot of reports on this just to get ready to share it with you guys, but I want you to know that one of my favorite quotes from uh, one of the students who said, who wouldn't get up and drive six hours to see this move of God? He says, you need to forget the job. He was a student. Forget the job, forget the girl, forget everything, because he is worthy. What is revival? 
what what does the Bible say about revival? What does change our land? Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven." Ooh, do you realize that that means sometimes he doesn't hear from heaven? Have you ever thought about that? He's saying, here's what I need you to do so I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's what we're looking for. Revival is a healing of this land. You know, the idea of revival originates reality. On the other hand, God God is the, the, the decisive giver of all spiritual life, right? And on the other hand, humans, even though who are born again and part of God's covenant family, from time to time, Apparently, we drift because this verse is not for non-believers. This verse is for believers. He's saying, you're called by my name. I need you to turn from, I mean, if you're, if you're asking them to turn from their wicked ways and you're saying that they're called by your name, does that mean that some of us who are believers apparently attend every now and then have some wicked ways? It sounds to me like the issue is that we're drifting away. So from time to time, we're drifting into a kind of lifelessness, a kind of lethargy, a kind of backsliding um, and indifference and weakness, right? We just sort of, it's, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church on Sunday. And when you put the two of those things together, God as the giver of life and man as the one who is ever drifting toward lifelessness, what you get is the need for hope. The need for hope of reviving, of coming back to life, a fresh outpouring of God's life-giving spirit on his people. And that is what revival is. So I want to share with you, I'm very excited because two of my daughters actually went to the, uh, they were there for day 9, 10, and 11 of the Asbury Revival. And so they got home late, late, late last night, and they wanted to keep me up till four o'clock this morning. And I decided that that was probably not the wisest thing to do because they wanted to tell me every story that they experienced uh, all the way from standing in line for three hours when they got there on Friday night in 22 degree weather, which, you know, I love that because I always say, you ever see the NFL games or even the college football games and people are sitting out in the rain and the storms and the snow. And I always say to my husband, I wonder if that was a church service if they would do that. So the fact that people were standing out there waiting to get in, I love that. And in fact, revival broke out on the lawn because there were so many people outside. So instead of me uh, being able to share all about their stories, what we're going to do is we're going to bring them on here live and we're going to allow them in a future episode to share their stories directly with you because I think that's going to be so, so, so much better. So back to God. God is the decisive giver of all spiritual life. So we ask for, in revival, we're asking for a fresh outpouring and life-giving spirit. I want to talk to you about this with Asbury. Do you realize that in Asbury, this is not the first time that they've had a revival? And do you also know that this is not the first time that it's happened in February? Um, they Literally, this has happened numerous times in February, which is where a lot of the skepticism has come up. Is this a planned revival? Is this something that they've, that they've uh, 
they've sort of made happen. That that's because of all of the history of that. And we're going to share that, but I want to I want to make sure you understand what the biblical description of revival is. So for example, we read a prayer to God in Psalm 85:6, "Will you not revive us again?" that your people may rejoice in you. Or in Habakkuk 3.2, O oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O oh Lord, do I fear in the midst of these years, revive it in the midst of the years, make it known in wrath, mem- remember mercy. Or in Psalm 80, it says, give us life and we will call on your name. Thus says the one who is high and lifted up and inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and I also with him who is of contrite and low spirit. When we're in contrite and low spirit, that's when we're searching for God to say, hey, where are you? What's going on? A lot of people that are searching for revival is because they are in that low, low place. And they want a revival of the spirit of the lowly to revive their heart. And alongside those passages about reviving, you can read the, of the history of Israel. It is just uh, one up, one down, up, down, up, down. And I think it's hilarious how we, um, we love to make fun of the Israelites. That, that, you know, what was wrong with them? You know, they got manna. I mean, they had quail falling out of heaven and they still did not follow Jesus. They didn't follow. They didn't do what God told them to do. And yet when you turn to the New Testament, even though the period of time is really short between Jesus's resurrection and the close of the New Testament, it's maybe only 40 years, you still get glimpses already of churches that were in need of revival. Jesus Christ was right there. I think that the book of Hebrews was written to a church like that because you hear it in Hebrews 5.12. By this time, you guys ought to be teachers, right? You need someone to teach you again and again the basic principles of the oracles of God. In in Hebrews 12.12, it says, Lift your drooping heads and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. So this is a church that is already drooping. It's already dragging, and it's already gotten tired. It already needs reviving. And yet when you attribute that to today, look at the people that are at Asbury. Do you realize 24 hours a day, seven days, they went on, they went on 10 days before they actually had to start closing things down for security and different things like that. The hunger and the thirst for the righteousness. You know, when you read the prayers uh, of Paul and his letters, they read just like the prayers that would be made for our churches that are drifting into this lifelessness. Just like the prayers of those people that were standing in line, they are searching. They are looking for something that can fill them up. There are a few prayers in the Bible that have had reviving and challenging and awakening and renewing effect. Uh, like in Ephesians 3, where Paul prays like this, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length, and the height, and the depth, 
and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Like I said, Asbury University has been known through the years for its history of great revivals. There have been several occasions when significant moves of the Holy Spirit have swept the campus and reached the nation. Our prayer is that that's what's going to happen today. I know my daughters, when they came back last night, they told They told me last night, okay, we're starting revival at our house tomorrow night. We're going to have people come and pray over the house before things start. Uh, People are going to be here from 5 to 10 every day. I mean, they were on fire. You know, in in Asbury, in February of 1905, and that one was during a blizzard, there was a prayer meeting in a men's dormitory that spilled out to the rest of the campus. In February of 19—isn't this interesting? February of 1908, revival broke out while someone was praying in the chapel. And the revival then lasted for two weeks. In February of 1921 in Asbury, the last service of a planned revival lasted until 6 a.m. And those services went on for three more days. In February of 1950, a student testimony started leading to confession and victories of more testimonies. And that went on for 118 hours and became the second leading news story nationwide. And for that one, it was estimated that 50,000 people found a new experience with Christ as a result of that revival. Now, here we have one in March, which they must have been a little late with that one, right? In March of 1958, revival began by a student fasting prayer meeting that spilled over into the chapel and lasted for 63 hours. And then here we are back again on February the 3rd, 1970. Uh, A gentleman was scheduled to speak in chapel, and he felt led to invite people to personal testimony instead, and many people on that campus had been praying for spiritual renewal, and soon there was a large group waiting in line to speak. Classes were canceled for that week, and they had 144 hours of unbroken revival. So then we go back to March 1992, where the student confession during the closing chapel went into another 127 consecutive hours, and then even closer to our time in February of 2006, a student chapel led to four days of continuous worship, of prayer prayer and praise. So because of this pattern, a lot of people are claiming that this was planned. I want to share with you directly from those stories of two of my daughters. I want to tell you what happened. So it was Friday night, um, and Gina and Belinda were sitting at the kitchen table, and they were like, oh, Mommy Linda, we really want to go to to Kentucky. We really want to go to Kentucky. We really want to go. And I was like, girls, y'all are free, white, and 21. You need to go. Which, if any of you know my kids, they're not white. And they looked up at me, and they were like, we're not. We're not white. What are you talking about? I was like, girls, you're in college. You don't have jobs. You don't have you don't have responsibilities. I mean, go. I would go in a heartbeat. And so they were like, well, where are we going to stay? Do you know anybody in Kentucky? And I said, actually, I do. And so I reached out to the friends I have in Kentucky who also happened to be Haitian, by the way. Do you know they lived five minutes from the university? Five minutes. So they were well prepared. Uh, the girls went. They got to stay with them. We had some. I had some adults that I knew that were in this situation that were going to be able to take them back and forth and care for them and love on them. 
And so, boom, the next morning they were off and they went. And I love that. I love that spontaneous thing. And I love that they are chasing after our father. I think, you know, a lot of people would be willing to drive that far for a concert. I'm glad that they were willing to drive that far for that. So I cannot wait to be able to share those stories with you. So what I'm going to have to share with you now is what I have watched through live stream. So I've watched probably 15 to 24 hours of live stream of the revival at Asbury University. And so what I want to talk with you about now is what my takeaway is personally from what I've seen at that revival. There's a piano player. There's a guitar player. And there is a beatbox. Do you guys know what a beatbox is? It's that little box, not a full-blown set of drums. Uh, with with cymbals and everything else. It's just a box that you sit on. Kind of reminds you of being in Jamaica where they sit there and they beat on the box. The And I don't want Asbury to take this the wrong way, but they got some hard chairs <laughs> in that uh, auditorium. I didn't see one cushion on no chairs. Um, very, very hard chairs. And to be very honest with you, it's not a very well-decorated, interior, nice, pretty place on the inside. Uh, I don't think it's kind of old-looking, to be honest with you. And some people have even described it as an ugly interior. The lights in that place, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't know why this bothers me so much, but many times when I'm in different churches and it is so dark, all I can hear in my spirit is, I thought we were the light of the world. I thought we were supposed to be the light. And sometimes when it's so dark, I feel like I'm in a club that probably shows you some of my history. But those lights in that sanctuary at Asbury, they did not dim. It's very light, whether it was at 2 o'clock in the morning or whether it was at 10 o'clock in the morning. Nobody inside of the Asbury revival was serving donuts. <laughs> there was nobody there. Now, my daughters did tell me that there were some volunteers that came up to the people that were out in the line that were waiting for three hours with some barbecue sandwiches and some different things for the people that were in line. They were serving them in the line. They didn't have them there for the line to come. In addition, I did not see any coffee shops inside of the Asbury University Revival. Another thing that was missing from a lot of what we see on Sunday mornings was I did not see one single smoke machine. There was no smoke blowing out uh, on the stage. And actually, two of my daughters ended up on the stage, and I actually got to see their videos from the, the stage. In addition, because the lights didn't dim, another thing that I noticed was there were no fancy lights. There was no light show in the, um, in the Asbury Revival. Another thing, um, <laughs> and this now reminds me of another church I was at. You know, a lot of churches have timers, especially if you have two, three, four services. So you have to keep the timer so that you know exactly how long you can go. <laughs> a church I was at uh, recently. Do you remember those old clocks that we had at the school, the big, big round clocks? Uh, right before I went up to speak, the pastor came and sat there. <laughs> 
set that clock on the front row for me to be able to see it and to watch the timer. But I didn't see any timers uh, at the Asbury University. Um, there were no perfect productions. I didn't see any like plays or anybody coming up on stage to uh, do any puppet shows or anything like that. And actually, in the entire time that I watched, there was no leader and there were no teams, no, no specific praise teams. There was uh, not a kid's church. There was no kid's class. The actual children were in the sanctuary with everybody else. Um, and actually, Belinda and, Rodolf, or, uh, Belinda and Gina told me that that was one of the things that you did get to move up to the front of the line is if you were, I think she said 25 or less, if you were a high school student or a college student, you got to go forward. But the people that they were staying with didn't meet that criteria. So they were really split in there. Gina wanted to stay and be kind to the people that were standing in line with them. But Belinda wanted to go to the front of the line. But you did get to move forward if you were a high school student or a college student. Um, there was no, there were no greeters in the parking lot. Nobody was greeting anyone as they drove up. Matter of fact, Gina said that when they did pull up, they didn't have any idea how to find a parking spot, but they still found one. And the line was at least a mile long to get in. Apparently, it literally, the way the girls described it and the way I saw, there was no structure whatsoever. <laughs> it was just the Holy Spirit. So apparently, the only thing needed to attract people to God is God. Why have we made it so complicated? I'm wondering if it is time for us to get back to pure and simple. I'm wondering if an altar and a sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ, apparently is enough. Because that altar, the entire time I watched, whether there was a speaker, whether there was someone reading straight out of the Bible, or whether it was just a time of putting on the garment of praise, the altar was full of people who were repenting because of the convictions of the Holy Spirit. What if we just gave God back his house and just worshiped him and saw what happens? And I'm not talking about just singing. I'm talking about true work, not just standing up and singing and raising our hands. You know, there's a lot of people that raise their hands in praise and worship on Sunday morning and their hands are doing stuff all week long. They don't need to be doing, whether it's scrolling through their phone on pornographic sites or texting people they shouldn't be texting. So I'm not just talking about standing up in worship. I'm talking about praising him. Because I think one thing that Asbury University has made, the Asbury University revival has made very clear is that God inhabits the praises of his people. He's done it there over and over and over again. I just gave you the history and the record. And I don't know what God loves about February. I find that very interesting that uh, over five different times it has started in February and then gone nationwide. But I would say that you and I need to pay attention to that. You and I need to pay attention to where the Holy Spirit has chosen to go. And the Holy Spirit's inside of us. 
So really and truly, wherever we go, we have the opportunity to have revival, to create revival, and to inspire revival. Matter of fact, I want to challenge you with this. I believe, I, I, don't, I don't only believe it, I live it and I see it every week. When you have the opportunity to speak truth to someone else, you have the opportunity to bring revival to that person's life. Because what did we just say? God obviously realizes that we were going to drift away because that's why he tells us, for me to heal your land, I need you to humble yourself. I need need you to seek my face. I need you to turn from your wicked ways. So there are people who are believers who are living in wicked ways that they need to turn from. And you may be either you're and you're one of two people. You're either the person that's going to help the person turn from their wicked ways or you're the person that needs to turn from your wicked ways. And so if that's you today, don't leave this episode without doing that. I'm here bringing the conviction through the Holy Spirit. I'm here. If you're looking for a sign, here's your sign. If you are doing something that you know is, I mean, here's, here's the key. Whatever you're listening to, can you take your headphone out and give it to Jesus and let him listen to the other side of it? Whatever you're watching, if you have Jesus in your heart, is he, if he happens to be sitting beside you on the couch, can he also watch it with you? You have the ability to have your own revival. You don't even have to drive. Well, and now it's too late because they've stopped it. But all you need to do is to repent and just tell God, I want to turn. I want you to answer me. I need you to deliver me. I want to walk you through that right now and let you see how easy it is to have peace, how easy it is for you to have revival in your home. It starts with you. If you have revival in your life, that can bring revival to your home. That can then bring revival to your church, and that can then bring revival to your city. That's the way it works, but it starts with you. And the only way that you can have revival is to turn, to turn from your wicked ways, to turn from the sin in your life, and to ask God to forgive you. He says, I'll do it. I'm just waiting for you to humble yourself, seek, pray, and turn. And that, my friends, is how you can have revival. You don't have to set up an all-night prayer vigil. You don't have to force people to come to your church at 2 o'clock in the morning to pray. You can do it in your own home exactly where you are because the you are, for those of you who have surrendered your life and made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Just like demonic spirits need a body to reside in, The Holy Spirit is looking for the body to reside in, and that's you. So don't go through another second or moment. Don't turn to other uh, sources of supernatural things. Don't look for him in crystals. Don't look for him in tarot cards. Don't look for him in yoga classes. Look for him in the Word of God. This is the living, breathing Word of God. And he tells you, just like the verses that we shared throughout this episode, he tells you exactly how he wants to live and reside in you. So as exciting as Asbury is, and it is exciting, I told you, I sent my two daughters, I wanted them to go. I wanted them to experience it. I wanted them to see it. I want you to experience it also. 
all of us have the opportunity to be on fire for Jesus Christ. You know, Smith Wigglesworth is one of my favorite speakers, and that's one of the things I listened to him this morning. He said, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, we're on fire. That's what gives us the boldness. That's what gives us the confidence. I want you to be on fire for Jesus Christ. And the other thing is, the great way to burn out the rest of what is in you that is wicked is to be on fire and full of the Holy Spirit so that you know and you can discern exactly what you need to do, when you need to do it, how you need to do it. So if you have any questions or if you want help to guide you through this step-by-step, I want you to reach out to us. Reach out to us in the comments below on YouTube or come to us through our uh, website at lovehimlovethem.org.